This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Craig. He's Logan here on 106.7 The Fan, simulcast on the Team 980 or simulcast down in Richmond as well. What's up, Central Virginia? Where's that? Central? Yeah, Central I mean, Virginia? Central. It's in the middle. So what's, like, what cities are there? Richmond. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, know, I know where Richmond is. Yeah, we, I just said Richmond. I know, but I, th- like, I, I, I thought it was Logan thought, was like turning his mic on, and somehow his, his the uh, my, my was brain also was to hitting his my brain. Is it? Uh, but is it more encompassing than just the city of Richmond? I guess I don't know. I just kind of threw out a general region. What? Are, what do you guys think, Manel Ryan? Where are we at on on what cities yes. are also included in Central Virginia? I mean, I, I only think of Richmond. <laughs> But, like, <laughs> I, I don't consider Fredericksburg Central. I, I kind of consider that, like, Northern Virginia. I gotcha. But then yeah, I don't so know. Like, here's a fun geography question. <laughs> yeah, golly. Here we go. This show is off the rails. Well, we're, and teaching. Again, we're teaching people here. Are we? Doing. Yes, we are. Are we exposing ourselves <laughs> as total dumbasses? Um, like Stafford, right? Is Stafford more Richmond or more D.C.? Because, like, there are plenty of people that live in Stafford and then commute up here every single day. Some of you are listening to the show right now, driving home, going, thank God it's a holiday and this traffic is not as hellacious as usual, right? But also, like, if you were to tell someone from D.C., like, lives in the district, that like who thinks Alexandria is far, or God forbid, <laughs> thinks Arlington is far, the type of person that gets, that gets put on over her district on the daily, right? They're like, oh, yeah, I live in the D.C. suburb of Stafford. They'd be like, absolutely not. That may as well be Florida. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know where any of these places are outside of Richmond, really. I'm sure that like Stafford is what you pass about halfway to training camp. Okay, well, that that seems a little bit north. It seems like we might as well be in D.C. at that point. Because it's like if you look at the map of Virginia, it's definitely north. Rather than south. this is this would be a fun poll question. I'm gonna this is the second time <laughs> in the opening. Like, we opened the two o'clock hour in Google Maps, looking up at Akron. <laughs> We're reopening Google Maps. What what is the cutoff point that we have left the D the greater DC area and we are now in the greater Richmond area? And that's considered Central Virginia. Richmond is Central Virginia. Yeah, I, I would put Richmond. I mean, it's kind of Virginia is a funny shaped state. So, like, Richmond's kind of central, but also so is Lynchburg. But they're, like, two hours apart. I got you. Because Virginia gets gets wider as you go down. That's fair. I think we should talk about something we know about as opposed to the geography of Virginia, which we sounds like Ryan was our go-to 
for scoop on that, and he really screwed that up. I really want up. to know what the, the cutoff is. Stafford's, Stafford's pretty far north. Fredericksburg, we're getting there. By the time we're at Spotsylvania, though, I think we're... You're in. I think we're getting towards Cent- Central Central uh, Virginia. That's a weird term, Central Virginia. Anyway, all yeah. right. Let's go to Polly, Polly in Norfolk, which is definitely not in Central Virginia. Polly, <laughs> help us. Hell to the W. What's up, my guys? What's going on? What's up, man? Logan, my guy. How you doing, brother? On, man? I'm doing well, man. Hey, look, man. Central Virginia is Richmond. It's led by Richmond. Then you got Petersburg. Uh, you got you got Chesterfield. Right. You got Hopewell. You got Matoka. You know, all, all the little cities in, in, in that region. That's that's called Central Virginia. Midlothian. You got your short pumps. Midlothian. All that's all in Richmond. Are you yeah, looking at yeah, a map right now? Oh no, no, come on! That's man, just off the cuff, ground. huh? Just file. Probably knows the stuff. File. Yeah, just, hey man, on my stomping ground, man. They know me. <laughs> I appreciate that. Man. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Polly. Thank you. I don't know if that. I. I mean, definitely Stafford. Stafford's north. Stafford. Stafford's still in the D.C. circle. All right. The NFL and the XFL have signed an agreement to uh, essentially make the XFL quote a petri dish for football innovation, prospect development as part of partnership agreement. Uh, with the NFL. Reading from Kevin Seifert's story on ESPN.com, XFL officials made clear that the collaboration will not include player sharing for developmental purposes, but the alignment is notable given that the growing number of alternative alternative leagues in the football landscape. The XFL is scheduled to resume play in February of 2023 under new owners Danny Garcia, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Redbird Capital Partners. Uh, and this, of course, coming as news of the agreement comes as a revived USFL works towards launch in April. So you have the USFL coming, you have the XFL coming back in 2023. If you were to think of like a non-NFL football league and what you want it to be, what do you hope that it is? Um, well, I got to cover the XFL with Grant. We did the color commentary for those games, and I thought that was pretty darn close to what I'd want. I want good football. I want good coaches. Um, I know it's not going to be NFL level, but I want some type of competitive format that represents the NFL game, but I did like what the XFL did and that they kind of tweak with some of the rules, right? They had the ability, the coaches had the ability to talk to the players in the headset. I thought that was really innovative, not just the quarterback, but every single player on the field, which I thought was really cool. And it'd be awesome to see if they could do something like that in the NFL, because it really sped up the game. It really eliminated all these kind of commercial timeouts, these long breaks in between plays, because the play clock was only 25 seconds, which totally changed the complexion of the game. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also like some of the stuff they do with the kickoff, because like everyone's trying to eliminate these head contacts and I think that's a good way good platform to kind of say let's see how this works let's see if this has any unforeseen consequences um, long term to the game and I think that that would be fantastic but ultimately it was very very close to what NFL football was it just kind of and I I also liked um, you know watching the TV broadcast how they had some of the um, that you could hear the coach on the broadcast I thought that was really cool because it's kind of showing the fans maybe not NFL offenses but it's showing them kind of how how complicated the uh, the game is uh, yeah, I, I agree with all that stuff. I think the biggest thing that's hard for the average fan to understand and that I got a, a view into as a reporter and obviously you experienced in a major way as a player is that like you just don't play a lot of football, right? Yeah. Like, you have a ton of practice, yeah. but the opportunity to be in game situations and get actual and like develop players just doesn't exist. 
And also because you're very limited in the number of preseason games and things like that, the chance to be innovative and try stuff, this you know, with lot, the rules, yeah. like it's just not there. You know, there's not a bunch of, you know, obviously you have college football, which is incredibly meaningful for the people involved. Like there's just not a lot of random lower minor league football teams or leagues around to try stuff and certainly not ones that are at any remote high level. Like it was also pretty obvious watching the XFL. Like these dudes aren't NFL pros, well, right? Like, but you you watch them said, and though, you're like, the skill level is just not as high. But it, what about some of these guys that got a chance to get some extra reps, learn some extra things, get some extra coaching, get some extra feedback that then can turn into NFL players? Well, I think that's the point. Like Taylor Heineke, for example, was on an XFL roster, and then he kind of used it as like a year. Still was in football, still learning offenses, still throwing the football around, and now he's on an NFL roster, and he started a whole season for an NFL franchise. Toth is another guy, backup center here for the Washington football team. He was on uh, the Guardians roster here for a little bit. Again, it's just an opportunity for guys to get more film, right? Because there's there's certain types of guys in the NFL that don't make it, right? And a lot of them are like height, weight, speed, uh, just kind of rejects, right? They're not big enough. They're not tall enough. And there's a big question about whether they can play a full season, right? Or whether where they fit within a, a structure of a defense, right? There was a linebacker here for the uh, defenders that was a defensive end in college, and he was playing linebacker for the first time here, which is something you don't get the opportunity to do in the NFL because you only have basically like six weeks to get that done. So it's a good opportunity for players like that to show the NFL that they can do some stuff at new positions and play football at a higher level. And I'm not saying they're going to come in and change the landscape of the NFL. You're never going to find your diamond in the rough there, but you're going to find a guy who can maybe make a practice squad one year, which is valuable now in the NFL, and also maybe contribute on teams and become a rotational starter, which I think is huge for that guy. And that dream uh, for that player is something that never was there prior to the invention of some of these leagues, which I think is, again, speaks to why I think this is important. Making in the NFL is hard, and then there's no kind of parachute for those guys who still want to keep going, still want to play the ride. And um, unlike baseball, unlike soccer, unlike all these other sports where they have like these farm systems that feed into the top league where they can kind of go back, uh, regress for a year or two, and then kind of hit the ascension button. Football is not like that. They can't go back to college. So I think having these kind of parachutes for some of these tweener guys is going to be really, really valuable. Yeah, and so I think what what's interesting along those lines is Danny Garcia was asked, you know, does this partnership between the NFL and the XFL where there's idea collaboration, yeah. basically, does it put the XFL, quote, in a position to be a developmental league? And the answer from Garcia, quote, that's a no, we are a spring league. We will play at the highest level in the spring. There is not the anticipation of any player sharing that changes the dynamic. That's not how we're executing our vision. Like, I hear him. But if you're the NFL, I would love if they had that. Where if you're, like, it's one thing if you're, you know, the top 35 or so on a roster, right? But if you're, if you're one of these special teams guys that hopes to eventually, as you grow in your career, stick around long enough and get more practice reps and all those kinds of things yeah. and get into a position where you can be an offensive or defensive player and a, a, a quote-unquote regular player, a non-special teams kind of guy, the opportunity to go somewhere else in the offseason. And now if you're a free agent, you could do that, right? You could delay signing, sign in the XFL, pick up an XFL year's worth of game checks or a USFL year's worth of game checks. And then, yeah, you might miss a little bit of camp, but ultimately sign, you show out, you sign, you get off up to speed and you have the summer and then you go into training camp in the NFL. But the idea that you are just like, you're stuck doing the job that you have. 
right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're on a multi-year deal, especially this is going to happen with younger guys who are rookies, like you're on a multi-year deal, you're a special teams guy, you work on your craft as best you can in the offseason, but you're never getting to play a game at linebacker, safety, cornerback, whatever. That This would be a really cool opportunity and would also be, frankly, a great opportunity if the NFL got on board with a league like this for a position coach who's got aspirations to be a head coach in the future. And by the way, during with the league in its current crisis of, uh, you know, coaching or not having enough minority coaches, not right. having enough uh, minority coordinators, even it's an opportunity for to get experience for people. And, and I think that would be really beneficial. I know that the current setup where there you've got the XFL under different ownership, it's owned by like that's what's different versus you know nobody quote unquote owns the NFL. You have the thirty teams where the the XFL is owned. But if there is an opportunity at some point in the future for the XFL to kind of get absorbed by the NFL and take that next step, like that would be I to me that's a huge win for everybody involved. I understand that's not what's happening now, but that that should happen. Yeah, I think you're talking about it from an interesting perspective. You're talking about it from like the NFL using it as a way to develop stuff in the offseason for the NFL, as opposed to the way the XFL worked when I was covering it, which is here are your guys in the roster. If the NFL team calls you, the XFL contract's void, and you can just bump to the NFL. Correct. And I think that that's a really actually kind of cool idea, I think, especially from a coaching standpoint. I think playing XFL games for those guys is a lot of football, and especially with people trying to protect players from themselves and head contacts and all those types of things. It's probably smart that the players can't do it, but I really, really, really dig the idea of being able to send like your defensive coordinator down and have him be a head coach for an offseason as like an internship. And I understand that those guys have big responsibilities in the building in the offseason. They're doing free agent evaluations, they're doing schematic evaluations, they're doing draft evaluations, which take up a big chunk of the year. But if you want to further those guys' coaching abilities, that's a great way to do that, right? Because there really isn't an opportunity. There's no feeder league, right? And you mentioned college football earlier. To me, college is a totally different game, mm-hmm. totally different ball of wax in the NFL. And I think that if you look at the the XFL, I think that would be fantastic. Just send like a, you know, a, maybe a quality control guy down, have him be the tight end coach for uh, a season. Right, because everyone bumps up, yeah, right? It's yeah. not just like you're taking the the defensive coordinator right. and then have you're taking be the head a coach. position coach. Yeah. And you know the position coach to the position coach. Everybody gets elevated because you knock off the first level or two of your staff. Right. Um. And in a way, like maybe it doesn't have to be like the XFL can exist on it on its own. But maybe there's a, a spring league, right? Like maybe yeah. You know what? If you've accrued, X I mean, that's what kind of training camp to play, used to be. But like it's what it's what NBA summer league is. Yeah. And yeah. summer league is fantastic for that kind of stuff because you get a chance. You have literally hundreds. Of players, if not, and it's probably not thousands, but you have hundreds of players that are never going to get a shot in the NBA. But of those couple hundred, like 10 to 15 might that otherwise would never, you know, a hundred of them get training camp invites. Yeah. Another couple hundred get in front. It's it's a place where the league can gather and go and, and showcase fringe level talent. And so overseas scouts come in like you have all these different players or all these different entities that come in and have access to your pool of talent you have your coaches that then elevate like you know becky hammond uh, was a a head coach for summer league for the spurs a while ago obviously she just took a job uh in the WNBA with las vegas aces like you have uh other coaches that are, are now nba head coaches that got their first chance to be a head coach after years of an assistant 
in NBA Summer League. And in fact, it's actually a place that new head coaches if for, for NBA Summer League, if you're a first year and first time head coach, you're allowed to coach your team in Summer League. Oh, interesting. So like if let's let's say this NFL Spring League that I've just created exists, Kevin O'Connell would could coach the Vikings if he wanted to. Right. You know, and it's the Vikings with Kellen Mond at quarterback right. and what and you no know, a bunch of developmental guys. But by the way, like you're telling me fans wouldn't watch that? I think that you that that's a I love that I love the 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 inception the conception of that but I think the issue is that like one you're dealing with a much more physical game in football and can sure. guys play football year round for a guy like Kellen Mond which is the example you just gave the backup quarter for, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings third round pick from last year I think that's a fantastic opportunity however I, I do think you're somewhat limited because you, you have in basketball, you have this really deep roster. You have, you know, 18 guys or whatever that don't play. So you want to get them as many reps as possible. In football, you barely have that many. You, you have 53 on the active roster. That's only like 12 guys that aren't playing. And those guys are usually playing on special teams. So I think that is a big restriction here. You know, if the roster sizes were a little bit bigger, and maybe now that's a viable thing with the expanded practice squads, right? Because now you have 16 dudes sitting around plus those 10 to 15 that aren't getting a ton of reps every right. single and then you could have like a team you know but but the same thing is true that you you do it like summer league where it's like lebron's not playing nba summer yeah. league right and and it gets to a certain point where you're not even eligible to play right the union would be heavily involved here but you have to do it in a way that it's beneficial for the players that like yeah if you're on a rookie con let's say it's you're on a rookie contract or you're currently unsigned and you have x amount whatever and you want to play like you can but the idea would be that you take off the top 30 to 35 guys per team. Now, all of a sudden, guy 36, that's your third string linebacker that or your backup bat linebacker, but a special teams guy that wants to get those reps at linebacker. And look, it, it'd probably be a two to three game season. I mean, right? I mean this is honestly like the, the interesting thing about this is this is what the preseason was in the NFL for a long time. Uh, like offensive position coaches could call the game. They could let these guys get reps. And I do think that to me is one of the deficiencies in taking away that fourth preseason game because that's when those guys got to do that kind of more flexible stuff. And I do think there is merit to that. You but know? It, let's, I think the hard part about it is you're still trying to get ready for the season. It's true. Right. Is D-League, they're to, not trying to get ready for the season? Or, I mean, uh, summer League? No. Or Summer League, sorry. Summer League. They're, they're really just trying to kind of evaluate talent. You know, what? but like... For instance, I was listening to J.J. Redick, um, an retired NBA player, obviously. Yeah. Um, but he, his podcast is great. And they had Desmond Bain on the other day, um, Grizzlies young young star who um, has played really, really well this year and, and guy who averaged 20 points a game for a nice stretch when John Morant was out for them. And J.J. asked him, like, when did you feel that confidence or when did, when did that, that, that kind of the game change for you where you, you went from like, standstill shooter to a guy who is a threat off the dribble and like expanded his game and he said summer league because I didn't want to even go the coaching staff was like you're going and you're playing point guard mm -hmm. this is a guy who's been off the ball two guard obviously yeah. he's playing with John Morant one of the best young point guards in the league so he's not going to play point guard for the Grizzlies but the skill set that he got yeah uh, of forcing the ball into his hands in an opportunity by the way where the results don't matter they don't give out a, I mean they do give out a trophy at the end of summer league but nobody cares Right, where it's just like go out there, play, feel free to like. If you make mistakes, you make mistakes. We'll coach you through them. You're not you for like your your high level or high potential guys, and you've got other guys that you would never even get a look at. Yeah, in a game, maybe your practice squad level guys that all of a sudden you're getting to actually see. Yeah, but for all you know, you've got a, a backup corner on practice squad 
that would be a stud special teams guy that gets to play special teams in, in a spring league or gets to go play it, you know, if we come back to out of hypothetical world in the USFL or the XFL, yeah. you're like, oh, I got to sign that guy. I don't care that he sucks at corner. He can get toasted by my receivers in practice all day, but that dude's going to help us win games on special teams. Interesting story here. So when I, in 2012, when Robert came in, they broke the team up into two practices. So, like, I was the starting tight end for practice group B, right? And Fred Davis and Chris Cooley were the starting tight ends for practice group A. But we ran the same practice scripts. And so it was really cool because I got to run all the routes that Cooley got to run Mm -hmm. and Fred got to run. And so I got to show a skill set that they didn't know I had in those practices, right? Right. And I got to learn. I got to ask my coach, like, who was Sean McVay at the time, like, hey, like, how do you see this going? Like, what do I need to do? Because it was a different you know, he was kind of managing both groups. So it was to that developmental point. I think it's fantastic. I think it's one, it's, it's an outstanding idea. And it's just about logistically, there's a whole bunch of issues that need to be kind of negotiated to get to solve that. But I think it's fantastic because that to me was the single best developmental moment of my career. I was okay. And then I got to be, I saw like a huge uptick and just in terms of how I was catching the football, how I was moving in terms of understanding coverages and running routes, because I got to do a lot of it, right? I got to do a ton of it. I got to do the blocks, right? I got to do the routes and I got to play teams, right? And so everyone got to see me in this new way and the narrative and perspective totally changed. So I think from that standpoint, it's fantastic, but it's just about logistically how you work it out, you know? And I I do think there would be a ton of merit to it. Yeah. And I would love to see it with the NFL involved for right now, we'll get whatever version of the players that are outside of the NFL contract structure and looking to play in the XFL starting in February of 23 USFL this summer. Um, and, and I think especially like on the quarterback front, like these guys just don't get into games and like, how are you in a game? Are you a gamer? That's are a great you, point. You know, how do you actually read defenses in practice when you don't know the, you know, the practice script, all that kind of stuff. Like there's, there's so much potential to, to grow here as a sport. That it just, it kind of is why, like, I get it because of the physicality element, but like, and there's only so much. I, mean, I wonder if you could do like a seven, seven on seven. seven. Obviously, yeah. O lineman and D lineman are going to be like, ah, but like, even then, like, you'd, if it's you'd competitive, see a ton. you'd see a ton of stuff. If it's competitive, you'll get to see it, especially for the quarterbacks. And that's the reason they split the practices up was to get Robert more reps, right? And get the make sure the best. And so they were evaluating Kirk and Robert in the same time period, and they were getting the same reps, and it was a one to one evaluation. So it was better. Huh? It was better. No, at the time, I think all the eggs were in the Robert Griffin basket. So. I know where the eggs were. I asked who was better. I think it took Kirk a little. Talk about development, developing, yeah. right? I think it took Kirk probably two years to get to a point where he felt confident within the offense and calling the plays and executing. So I think that first year, probably Robert. But then, you know, obviously everyone knows how that turned out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when we get back. Logan and I have been in, in commercial breaks literally all season long. This kind of ties into what we were just talking about. We're talking about the team building. How, if, if you were building an NFL roster, specifically say, I don't know, the Washington Commanders. Excellent. How would you go about doing such a thing? A, a high-level philosophical discussion between the people that have hosted the first hour and a half of this show. That sounds like, considering the highbrow conversations we've had, very risky. But we'll attempt <laughs> it next. Uh, some thoughts on NFL team building next here. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson on the fan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson in for GND today. Tonight, it'll be Ben and Britt here on the fan for overtime. Hope you enjoyed everyone else throughout the day on this here President's Day weekend in the district. I'll actually be over on 980 tomorrow uh, for Travis Thomas. You're a busy man. Yeah. Should I just replay this whole show? Maybe <laughs> cut out some of the geography? Oh, the geography plays, man. I think that's why people Maybe are I shooting just, in. Just play... Ryan, can you cut up uh, and then loop <laughs> just the geography parts and then uh, make sure that gets to Ant- Anthony and I'm not going to show up tomorrow. Just crush that. Just loop of geography. Do Where's Canton, pe- Ohio? Do you, think, <laughs> do you think people would be mad about that? Uh, I can think of one person who would be. <laughs> His name's Chris Kiner. Well, besides Chris, would anybody be mad about it? Uh, might be some folks. Would listeners be upset? Would they be like, man, I heard this. this Anthony like- would be so mad. He'd be like, three hours of this? <laughs> Let me go home. Where's the loop button? You just call Brock and be like, Brock, when you get in, just hit 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 the stop button and go to commercial. Um, all right. So we had so many great oh, discussions yes. all year long during, especially during commercial breaks. Like we had so many great discussions on the air, but there's so often we'd like kind of touch on something and then we'd be like, man, I wish you had time to talk about that. And team building was one of them. Um, how you go about building a roster. And I think, it's especially interesting now that we're through the Super Bowl and we see the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that is has the same franchise history essentially as Washington. Yeah. Right? If you look at Bengals franchise history, they had some really, really good years in the 80s, early 90s with Boomer Esiason and, and that crew. Uh, and then they entered a phase of abject disaster is probably a good way to describe it uh, <laughs> for about 30 years. Then they drafted Joe Burrow. And uh, Jamar Chase, yeah. and here they are. Uh, obviously, Jamar Chase, and, and they've got a bunch of other really talented guys. They did have some decent stretches with Carson Palmer and Chad Ochocinco slash Johnson slash whatever, mm-hmm. uh, TJ Hushmanzada and, and those guys. They've had good players. Geno Atkins was an all-pro caliber yeah. player year after year after year. Um, but ultimately, team success evaded them, just like it has Washington 
through now three nicknames and uh, one owner. So when you think about building a team and a franchise, like you look at the Bengals example and it, it seems simple, right? Like draft a great quarterback. But to me, what makes Burrow special and is the kind of, and the kind of guy that changed the, the direction of an organization is the character of, of who he is. And mm. obviously the coach that they brought in and Zach Taylor, um, and kind of, I would, what I would consider like a newer age approach to head coaching, leading with empathy, leading with, you know, yeah. uh, so, mm-hmm. some, what, what would have in old school football circles be considered softer characteristics, yeah. but really a more human approach to building an organization. Um, that's my look on the outside. You have you know a lot more of the people involved yeah. um, and, and have been around some of these guys on a personal level. You've been in NFL locker rooms as a participant, not as a reporter. So when you think about building a team and building a culture and building an organization that's going to win, like where do you start? So I think uh, obviously the formula for doing this has changed pretty drastically since when I first came in the league. Like when I was first in the league, it was like you need to be able to run the football 25 to 40 times a game and you'd be really good at it. You don't want to throw the football a ton because, you know, that the dangerous stuff yeah, could happen. They da- could get an interception. Yeah, interceptions, all that kind of stuff. Exactly right. And so I look at the, the, the two teams in the Super Bowl and I look at the playoff run and I say to myself, the teams that are really good, they have a lot of offensive weapons. Their quarterback play could even be eh, but they have a lot of offensive weapons. And I think that they that is the thing that I look at the Washington football team, specifically offensively. I say to myself, they just need more weapons, right? They, obviously, they need a quarterback. That's like understandable, right? And everyone's talking about, do we draft a guy? Do we bring someone here in free agency? And I, and you know, say people say, oh, we should bring Garoppolo here. We should bring Aaron Rodgers here, Russell Wilson. And I look at all three of those teams I just mentioned, and they have way more weapons than the Washington football team does, right? You look at uh, San Francisco, for example, they got a great tight end. They've got good wide receiver depth. They've got one of the best, most versatile pieces in Debo, Debo Samuels. They've got that Kyle Shanahan coached running scheme, which elevates the rusher usually. Obviously, Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers has the best receiver in the game and Devontae Adams. They have decent receiving options to kind of supplement that, but I think Aaron Rodgers is kind of the exception rather than the rule in terms of how he elevates those mm-hmm. back end of the roster guys in terms of receiver. And look at uh, look at Seattle, right? Lockett, Metcalf, Everett at tight end, dynamic, skilled playmakers. And I think that this team could learn from that, right? I hear people saying that Ron is kind of content with the current wide receiver situation saying that, and I don't disagree. I think they've got some good football players in the receiver room, but I think they can add more. I think it's one of those things where I was always blown away. I was always really frustrated by this as a player where coaches were not incorporated or involved in the personnel decisions as much as I thought they should be. And to me, this is a prime example as to why. Because they build relationships with the players. They see the positives. in, in Like Ron is a, is a naturally optimistic person by his own admission. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of say, oh, well, you know, Cam Sims could be a number one. Right. And I'm not denying that that's true. I love Cam Sims as a player. I think he's awesome. I think he brings a lot. But I do think if you were to draft a guy like the kid from Arkansas, the receiver, uh, Trey Burris, I think is his name. I'm messing that up. But then this offense with Terry Curtis Samuels, it looks like a legit playoff offense. You have to add a quarterback in. But I think, like everyone says, oh, the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback is the thing that needs to be solved. But when you look at the 
the ecosystem of the offense, there's other things that are are deficient that need to be kind of resolved. And I think Playmaker is one of them. And I think if you were to bring in Kenny Pickett here, for example, he's not going to be overly successful because there is not this flushed out group of playmakers, right? And I think that's something that needs to be considered. You bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, you're going to have to pay him a ton of money. You're going to have to pay him a lot. He's going to he's due $26 million this year against the cap in, in, uh, in San Francisco. That's why they're getting rid of him. Um, he's probably going to want an extension. So let's say he gets into the 30, 35 range. The Washington football team this next year is only going to have $37 million plus minus cap space, right? So all that goes allocated to the quarterback. And you say, can Jimmy Garoppolo elevate this roster to a Super Bowl? Because that's really what we're talking about, right, Craig? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about being a good football team. We're talking about going Although, to... Although, admittedly, would be nice. It would be nice. It would be nice. I'm talking about going to the Super Bowl. Right. Right? And can Jimmy Garoppolo, with this roster as it exists right now, get you to a Super Bowl? And Highly unlikely. I would say probably unlikely. Their, their defense would have to play at a level that they have not proven capable of yet. Like all the all the 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 most crazy versions of the hype that this defense was getting going yeah. in last year would have to come through. Jamin Davis would have to be a completely different player. You know, you'd have to just see getting Chase consistent Young pressure all dominate, the time, dominate like all pro caliber performance, and you'd have to have a healthy Curtis Samuel. Like I actually don't, I don't dislike the weapons. I think I might even be a little bit higher on the weapons than you are here. Like if Samuel's healthy, it completely, it it changes everyone else's role. But the, if Samuel's healthy, like this dude hasn't been healthy almost his entire career. Yeah. Um. I also think Terry's a legit one, but getting him the ball has been a problem because there hasn't been enough people to, to deflect coverage elsewhere. I mean, but then again, you watch Jamar Chase, and you're like, I don't know, Ter- maybe Terry's not as good as that dude. Well, um, so I and, think and that- so I, I think that just to wrap up, like, we talk about what is needed to to build teams. Like you need A plus level stars. You cannot win championships in this league without them. And the Rams, by the way, have a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Like Stafford's not that, but he's like a really, really A he's an A level quarterback. And an A level quarterback is is really important because the positional important. I mean he's then top got fifteen at a minimum. Donald. Yeah. Best maybe ever. Best non quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. You've got Jalen Ramsey, who's an absolute star, A plus level star at yeah. whatever position he's playing on any given down. Right. Um, you know, Cup is A plus. Triple, triple crown winner at the receiver like, position. Exactly. You can't argue with that production. Um, they wind up Beckham winds up being a huge uh, piece for them, especially yeah. when Robert Woods goes down. But like the Bengals, Jamar Chase, A plus. Joe Burrow, A plus. Joe Mixon's like an A-level player. Like Higgins, Boyd. Boyd is maybe the best slot receiver in the NFL. Right. Higgins is a role player, a two, which is what your two should be, right? Right, but I think it's how good is your good, yeah. right? Like having, like Washington has some really, really solid, like John Allen's a, a really A-level player. They don't have like the Aaron Donalds, the Jalen Ramsey's, like that. Yeah. And those are the hardest guys to get because there's such a limited number of them. But like they're generational about, at the position. When you talk about building a team and like draft strategy and free agent strategy, like you have to spend your biggest amounts of capital on guys that are going to be incredible, incredible players. And you need to hit. You need to hit on your draft, right? Like Higgins was a second round pick. Yeah. For 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 uh, the Bengals, for example, right? Boyd, I think, was a third round pick. They hit on both of those guys, right? So when everyone says, "Oh, Deami Brown," right? I understand you want to see that guy develop, but 
He didn't hit, and I, you can never have too many playmakers. It's okay if Diami's a rotational player for you. It's okay if Curtis Samuel's a three, that gadget guy catching those reverses, those jet sweeps. I think it makes the offense actually better. This isn't an indictment of them. I'm just saying if you want to play with the big boys, you have to make big boy decisions, and this is one of them. Obviously, you're in a huge conundrum here with the quarterback position because that's the most important position in all of sports, mm-hmm. right? And there's a multitude of ways you can go. Free agency right now is headed by Jameis Winston, who... I think he's a solid starting quarterback. I think he's a top 20-ish player in the NFL. And if you give him the right kind of weapons, he's going to make you look pretty good. He was good. really good last year in New Orleans. Yeah. And credit to Sean Payton. He eliminated a lot of the things that make Jameis Winston scary as a starter. And can Scott Turner do that here? You mentioned We mentioned the two teams, right? We mentioned the Bengals and we mentioned L.A. And both of the, both those those staffs are outstanding, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Kevin O'Connell, the OC, is now the head coach for Miami or for excuse me Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah, and then obviously um, Cincinnati, uh, Brian Callahan, young and upcoming kind of superstar at the profession. Fa- fantastic for him to be the OC there too. Anyway, great coaching staff, smart, innovative guys that are kind of forward thinking. Is this staff that is is another question I have for you, right? I yeah, I think it's a great question. I think the answer is no. Oh um, wow, yeah, that's. I, I mean, mean, if that's no, then the team building component for this organization is drastically different. Yeah. I I think that this staff has part of what is something I favor. We'll we'll continue this conversation in the next segment before Michael Phillips Jones is coming up at four o'clock, but there is, there is one part of team building that gets away from some of the X's and O's that I think is really important that this staff and specifically this head coach does extremely well. Mm. And then there's some other parts uh, that I think, uh, We'll say leave some room to be desired. We'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> unveil those two facets next. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you here on The Fan, the Team 980, and The Fan in Richmond. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. When it comes to team building, and we try to identify characteristics that are important, what are the Washington Commanders in good and a good position for what areas are left to be desired? Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson with you here on The Fan, the Team 980, also simulcast down in Richmond today. Uh, so I said that there's one thing that this this staff, I think, does well, and specifically this head coach does well, and then there's one area where I think they that they're severely lacking. You kind of hit on the one where they're severely lacking, right? I don't particularly find this staff innovative. Mm. I I look at what 
Sean did and Sean and Kevin and, and that staff. But I think, I think if we're being honest, a lot of this is like philosophically from Sean at the top. And then Kyle too. Kyle, I mean, Kyle, right. when he was here. Sure. No, I'm, I'm saying specifically in LA this year. Oh yeah. 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 Like okay. Yeah, Sha- yeah. Yeah. What yeah. Sean did hundred percent with Odell Beckham. Right. 100%, 100%. Beckham is this player in Cleveland. That's incredibly frustrated. They can't figure out how to use him. And I don't like, I think Stefanski is really smart. That's like, that's the weird thing about the Cleveland thing with Beckham. Like I don't think Beckham's a bad dude. I don't think Baker sucks, yeah. and I don't think Stefanski is a bad coach. The combo of them didn't work. Yeah. But he goes to L.A., and Sean's like, I know what to do with you. And he has as many touchdowns in L.A. as he did in two and a half years in Cleveland. Right. Right? That part of things, I don't necessarily think this staff is very good at. I can't explain to you to this day why Terry McLaurin does not get the ball more. Yeah. Right? So there's, there's things like that where you're going – okay, when it comes to innovative X's and O's and maximizing talent, I don't think they have it. The one thing that Ron Rivera is great at specifically, and I don't know the other coaches on the staff well enough to be able to speak to this, but I do know from Sean and Kevin and and being around them when they were here, the ability to connect on a human level with players Mm. is huge. And I think that the relationships have an intangible but definitive effect on how a team plays. Yeah. They play for each other. I'm sure you've been in good locker rooms and bad locker rooms. And when you feel like, uh, when you feel a connectivity to your team in business, in life, in if you feel it to your family, your family unit's significantly strong, to a team that you may work in, a big team as part of your company, or, or maybe a, you, know, you have three or four coworkers that you're really tight with. Same thing, obviously, is true in professional sports. And so... That part, I know that Ron is good on a human level of connecting with guys, right? But I, which is like, what your that's head coach, only half the battle. Which is what your head coach should be, right? And your coordinators should be innovative, right? When I was in Atlanta, Dan Quinn uh, did a great job from like a motivation kind of personal relationship standpoint, and he's a smart defensive mind. But he was kind of two years removed from calling the defenses, and so one of the things I noticed is that the coordinators weren't supporting his kind of his, his the, the, the motivation he was getting from the players, the innovation from the coordinators wasn't supporting that. Right. And that's mm-hmm. ultimately on him. Uh, like I had a call with him after the season and he, and he was like, what's your biggest point of feedback? And I said, you're outstanding at these things, motivating players, getting guys to play hard. But you know, like you kind of hired these two guys that weren't great, you know, and he made the right decision with Kyle in Atlanta when he first got the head coaching job. But obviously that changed and he, and it was just hard to sustain that level of success with the guys that came after him. And so that to me, again, I think is to, to your point, it's a big question that is going to kind of linger this whole off season is can everyone's kind of blaming Heineke and Heineke might be a big reason why the offense looks somewhat tepid, but man, like, you know, you really got to see a big shift, in my opinion, going into this next year if, if if you expect this to be the long-term answer. By the way, when you look at the division, I think there's really interesting questions to be asked as well. Like, Brian Dable, yeah. when he was in Buffalo as the OC, was absolutely the innovator. And I think if he if Josh Allen goes to a different franchise or there's a different OC there, like, who knows what Josh Allen is. Yeah. If, if he develops into an MVP caliber player like he has, well, now that Dable is the head coach... Can he keep that innovation and hire some more innovators around him to fix Daniel Jones? And also, how is he as a as a head coach leader? Like, not ev- not every great coordinator is going to make a great head coach. Not every head coach is you know 
was the most elite, you know, got the job because they were the most elite coordinator. Yeah. My, Patricia, Mangini, there's a long list of coordinators who've struggled making the tradition, transition to being a head coach. And part of it is finding your own voice and finding your own leadership style. And everyone, uh, and all the Belichick guys tried to do Belichick. And then it's like, it's Dude, not you're good. not Belichick. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's a big element. Those are, that's a big question mark for me in terms of staffing, right? And then quarterback, obviously, offensive weapons. And then um, people say, what about the defense? And to me, here, the defense, I think one of the elements that I'm I'm kind of not worried about is that they're going to play a worse schedule next year. And so they're going to yeah. be better. And I think they're going to be a lot better. And people are going to be like, wow, where was this team last year? And literally, they're just going to be playing they worse They were on teams. the field against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yes, and it's going to just be better. And so I, I do think if you're trying to make the defense better, I think you add probably a rotational pass rusher. I think everyone knows you're looking for a Mike linebacker. I think there's still a possibility Jamin develops. But again, like why not draft somebody or bring in a free agent to kind of supplement that? And then obviously like you need depth at every position because you never know, like Benjamin St. Just I thought had an outstanding rookie year. And then all of a sudden, you know, two concussions and is he, is he going to be available moving forward? So I think you need to kind of just make sure you got enough pieces. I also think, you know, depth along the offensive line is something that needs to be evaluated. And the good thing about this, if you're a Washington football team fan is when you look at the draft, it's very deep, very deep in terms of um, offensive linemen, very deep in terms of defensive line, wide receivers. There's a lot of them. I mean, that's just the nature of college sports now is college football specifically, right? Is there's just so many teams that run spread. So there's all these uber talented receivers at all these different schools. Just got to find the right guy that fits your system. Don't miss. I mean, obviously the staff has missed the past couple of years. I don't want to call Curtis Samuels a miss, but AGG I think is kind of a miss. Yep. Yeah. And then... Um, and then just making sure that works, finding some depth at running back. And the good thing is, man, it's a good draft for it, right? Um, the big question that's on everybody's mind is quarterback. And when you're evaluating quarterbacks, I don't know how much you've watched them. But when I watch them, I look at them and I say, the safe bet, the guy that you you feel really good about is Kenny Pickett. He's, he runs a pro-style offense. He feels right. He'll probably be there with good value at 11, yeah. as, as assuming no one reaches for him. Um, the guy that's exciting is Willis, right? Right. But Willis. I'll tell you, tell you what. Let's uh, let's get back in these quarterbacks <laughs> yes, yeah. in depth a little later in the show. Uh, Michael Phillips is going to join us next. We'll get the latest on Michael's been on top of the stadium stuff, so we'll get the latest with him on that. Uh, we'll get some of the the latest ownership uh, news and and the hot water that is generally surrounding this organization. Uh, but then also we'll we'll ask Michael before he leaves, like his best update. I feel like I do this to Michael every time. It's a fun game. Hey, uh, when, when are we going to know about quarterback? And then after that, we'll get into the quarterbacks because Logan's <laughs> got a deep file on all of them. Uh, that's, that's still to come. Uh, Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson in for G&D today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.